Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, before we get started with the Lost episode, I want to take a minute and explain why we're calling this the Lost episode. The day after we recorded this podcast, we found out that Vox Media made the decision to shut down the SB Nation podcast network as of March 1st. So we've had this episode in the can for about three weeks while we decided what to do next. And what we decided is we're going to keep doing this. We are going to take West Bipod. It's going to be a flagship show on the West Bipod network. We're going to have more details on that as we get closer to spring, but we wanted to go ahead and get this feed set up so everybody had time to update their podcast subscriptions. That way we didn't miss anything moving forward. We'll have more updates as we get closer to spring, so stay tuned. But for now, enjoy the lost episode. We are live. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to a special edition of West by Pod, podcast about WVU sports, the new Big 12 conference, and eternal optimism for next season. I'm Joel Bracken. I'm joined by a bunch of all-stars today. We got Jordan Pinto, as always, and we're also joined by Jake Lance and Andy Facemeyer, um, all repping Smoking Musket. So, in today's pod, we're going to talk a little bit about the release of the new uh, West Virginia football schedule for 2023, some initial like reactions, uh, thoughts, and just sort of what we can expect with the way the schedule is going to be shaking out. Um, I think we'll also talk a little bit of basketball towards the end of the pod. Um, but yeah, so let's just jump right in. So, um, you know, the 2023 football schedule came out. Obviously, a lot of new changes this year. So we have four new teams in the Big 12 um, and also some pretty significant non-conference games. So, Jordan, I'll start with you. What were your initial thoughts uh, with this schedule release? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you have the 11 P5 teams. So it's it's always going to look a little daunting from that perspective. Um, you know, I think the, the, the first month is is particularly brutal. Um, you know, the, you got Penn state opener. That's not ideal. Um, but you know, if we can sneak a few wins in that first month, first five, five games, maybe the back half of the schedule really does set up, I think kind of nicely for us. I don't think there's a winnable or an unwinnable game, uh, in those last six. Um, so, you know, kind of, you, you flinch at first, but, but really I think that it's, you know, it could have been a lot worse, I guess is my, is my initial take. Yeah, so Jake, what about you? What are you uh, What are you thinking with this schedule lining out? Uh, the first thing that popped in my head was, holy crap, this thing's going to be hard. <laughs> Every single team outside of Duquesne made a bowl last year. Wow. Every single team outside of, of Oklahoma and Baylor had a winning record last year. I don't know that we've ever played a tougher schedule. And right in the middle of it is a game at Houston. Um I know everyone's going to kind of say like, oh, it doesn't matter or whatnot. I guarantee you that's a game that's circled on the schedule and, you know, may or may not be a, a make or break game for us. So um, I'm really curious to see how, how the season plays out because it, you, you, have Penn, Penn, you have Penn State who's, you know, went 13-2 or 11-2 and, and you have TCU. 
every team on the schedule was in a bowl game last year. And that, mm-hmm. was, you know, there's no, there's no week off. It's just every single game is, is going to be a slug. That that's an insane stat that the only schools on your schedule that don't didn't make a bowl were Oklahoma and Baylor. No, they made um, a bowl. They made a bowl. That's oh my gosh. Every, so every team made a bowl except Duquesne. Okay. That's that's I mean that's you know showing the depth of our, our schedule and the depth of the conference. Andy, what about you? What are you feeling about uh the outlook on uh the twenty twenty three football campaign? Wait, I think it's a schedule that um, if you that WVU got everything we would have asked from the conference out of this. Um, you know, if you look at what we would have as a as a school asked for with this conference, we probably got almost everything we wished for. You know, um, you get a trip to Central Florida, which is great for recruiting. You didn't have uh, you don't have a home Thursday night game, which um, I'll talk about that more when we get to the Houston game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough schedule because we're addicted to having 11, you know, 11 conference games and asking uh, 11 power five conference games and, and asking someone in their second year to play, you know, um, play 11. Con- I kid, but of all the things, just as an aside of all the things that he could have said is like an excuse for like the record. The one thing he didn't comment on is like how we have not helped at all with our, our scheduling. So like, I'm, I'm going to continue to say that you shouldn't schedule 11 power five games. You just should not do that. Um, you know, if you were Alabama, I guess you could get away with it, but Alabama's not going to do that for obvious reasons because Nick Saban's not an idiot. Um, but so yeah, I think it's a good schedule. I think for our fans in particular, um, you know, there's a lot of great games on there. There's the Penn State game, the Pitt game, um, also Cincinnati. That's a game. You know that. You know, it's a, someone a little closer. Um, BYU brings a little bit of variety to the schedule. Um, yeah, so I think it's a good schedule. I think it's it's certainly, um, from an entertainment perspective, a really good schedule. I think for and, and like I said, I think if if we were asking the conference to give us a schedule, this is more or less what we would have asked for. You know, we didn't. You know, and we're not going to get like our skulls dragged in by both the Kansases again. So, yeah, Dodge Texas too. I think Texas probably opens the season as the as the conference favorite, right? So, um, maybe. I mean, I'm I'm hesitant hesitant ever like. Yeah, I, I have a whole theory on Texas and why they, will never, <laughs> why they will never, why they will never be good. But that's that's a different pod. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think just to just to add to the schedule, I I think it's a funny thing because, in in a way, it's like a reflection of West Virginia's position and and you know Power Five football or college football in general. So you know we miss these rivalries, so we chase them in our non conference schedule, and and then every year. You know, there's this stat at the beginning of the year that there's like, oh, there's only five teams who play 11 power five teams. We're that team every year. And it's been for several years now that we're playing Maryland and Virginia Tech and Virginia um, and Pitt. And now we're playing Penn State. We got Bama coming up in a couple years. Um, and it's like we're chasing these meaningful games. We also get the four new teams to the conference. And, you know, 
like like you were saying, Andy, about the you know the the scheduling as part of the the record. Yeah, we're we're not in the the best shape as a football program right now either. So you know we're. we're if you want to say the opportunity is in front of us, that's that's totally true because you want to go out and prove yourself, you know, you have 11 chances. That's as many or more than almost any other team in the country. Um, unfortunately, some of these chances, including the ones that are, I guess, somewhat voluntary, Penn State and Pitt, these are tough games. These are games you don't want to open your season with if you have, you know, new guys filling in positions, whatnot. So it's a brutal schedule. I mean, you have 11 power five is all you got to say. I did a I did a little bit. I was talking with with someone else, and I did a I did a little bit of a dive um, into years in which WVU has opened on the road in non conference, um, and I think we've won like true conference true non conference road games as an opener, like maybe twice in forty years. Yeah, and. Every time we have done it, we have not had a winning season. Any just even not oh. even like not even talking like power five. Like we, it, I think some people on the call are old enough to remember uh, Mark Bulger's team going down to East Carolina and and getting whipped in the opener that year. Uh, so it's just like I don't I don't understand what the thought process was. I mean, like I just looked the next. Next year we have Pitt and Penn State again, and some FCS team. Um, who is it? Albany. Um, and then 2025 we have a road trip to Ohio and uh, Pitt at home, uh, and then Robert Morris. So that's like I think the only year for like. Just national championship year, baby. Junior Nico, yeah. Junior Nico, Rodney Gallagher, the boys. We're just twenty twenty five. We're rolling, baby. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, the thing is, like, the thing that for West Virginia is, and and why this, you know, background of why why they thought we needed to have these kind of like brutal schedules was like if you remember tcu and baylor got screwed out of the playoff right um and so the whole notion or out of the like what i I forget at the exact time we started having playoffs but the point was that like they thought that we needed to have a stronger schedule well with a 12 team playoff you don't need to worry about that if you were in the big 12 and you are you know 11 and 1 10 and 2 if you win the big 12 the new the newly aligned big 12 you're still going to be in the playoff like you're not going to have to worry so like having to like murder yourself with these schedules is just it's it's pointless so yeah. so, I, so I, just to add to that the you can blame west virginia for it because what andy's referring to is in 2014 we beat baylor Baylor beat TCU. They both went 12, 11 and one. There wasn't a conference championship game. Ohio State got in because they waxed Wisconsin, and they had to choose between a thirteen and 
thirteen and one or twelve and one team and an eleven one team, and they use the extra data point as I put up my air quotes, and that's why the Big Twelve got screwed out of that one. So, which never mattered ever again. They never used that extra data point to matter ever again. In fact, this year they pointedly ignored extra data points to put uh, TCU and Ohio State still in the title game or in the playoff, even though they had both lost. Uh, Ohio State didn't even play in the playoff game in a in a championship game because they got waxed by Michigan at home uh, at home, which like that should have. You would not be been suggesting been. that the playoff committee makes up the rules as they go. Surely each not. week, each Surely week not. they make them up each week. They're worse than the like they're worse than the. I say this every year. They're worse than the NCAA selection committee. At least the selection committee nominally uses the same criteria for the whole season. Whereas the playoff committee, they just like each week, it's like, well, we decided that um, we thought that that win that uh, an SEC team had was really good. Right. We thought that was really good. And we thought Notre Dame showed us some real potential. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so we digress. We digress. (laughs) Digress. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. So, so, okay. So we, we talked about the, you know, the, obviously the West Virginia has set themselves up. I mean, this is somewhat voluntary to, to have this out of conference schedule that we do have 11 power five teams. So let's sort of walk through the schedule a little bit, you know, in some segments here. So I think like the first, you know, um, natural segment to look at is the, the non-conference. So the first three weeks of the season opening at Penn State, then you have, you know, Duquesne the following week. That should be, you know, somewhat of a layup. And then the next week with Pitt at home. So, you know, what is your sort of outlook on that first three weeks of the season? And, you know, potentially, like, what could it show us? What could it tell us about coaching potential things? You know, what what are you looking for in those first couple weeks? I, I can go first. And I'll say I think that the, the Neil Brown era is – probably defined by those three weeks Uh, i think that it's it's incredibly likely that by the end of those three weeks we will have a pretty good sense on whether or not neil is going to return or neil will continue to be the head coach um i think what i what i what i have a feeling is going to happen if i were uh, making a if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I'm I'm like the only non-degenerate uh, in the smoking mud. I feel like, um, but like if I were a betting man, what I would what I would venture a guess is that we get a Neil Brown close game special with Penn State, um, where we go into halftime with like ten to three, and then in the second half, Penn State runs the ball for 350 yards or something because they have they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback um but they have two excellent running backs yeah two excellent running backs a good defensive line good offensive line so i i think that like penn state will 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 win that game comfortably the question just is is it is it one of those games where you're like oh if just this play had gone this way or like i think that's the big question i don't think he needs to beat penn state i mean we've beaten penn state nine times total don nealon i think is the only person with two with two wins against penn state like that's like it's a history right so i don't think he has to beat penn state i i would prefer it to like not be like a complete you know 
<clears throat> yeah, I think, I mean, if we get out of there, like you're saying, where, you know, it was the kind of game where we can point to a play or two, like the pit game last year to open the season, you know, if it's a similar kind of thing where it's like, man, it, it was right there and we just kind of shat the bed. That's, uh, you know, I'll take that and run out of Happy Valley. Um because like you said, I mean, they have the best running back uh, one-two punch that we'll play, I think. Um, lots of capital D dudes back on defense. I think they lose Joey Porter uh, Jr., who's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. But other than that, I think if you look at their PFF stuff, most of the most of the top of the, of the charts are back. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know, Joel, uh, Jake, I mean, you guys, like, we don't have to win that game. We got we to gotta look respectable. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I would say for the non-conference, Penn State is kind of more of uh, you're looking at the team. You're, you're, you know, who's the quarterback? Is it Nico or is it Garrett? And, and how are they used? And how does the team play? I don't know that that needs to be a win. Um, I think if Neil is going to save his job, you have to go two and one, which means you've got to beat Duquesne and you've got to be pit at home. Um I do think it's interesting, and we'll kind of get into it a little bit more, but uh, Penn State is breaking in a new quarterback. Yep. Pitt is breaking in a new quarterback. We're breaking in a new quarterback. So it'll be really interesting, I think, on the on the non-conference side to see, okay, well, people are going to show up for Pitt, but if you go one and two in non-conference and the apathy that's already throughout this fan base and throughout Morgantown um, – you know, if, if how much lower can it be? And if you you can't win those games, and then you start looking at this Big Twelve schedule, you know how many fans are going to start showing up because you got a lot of home games early, and then you go on the road for a bit, and then you know at that point is the season over for everybody, and you're looking at thirty five thousand, forty thousand in the stands for late October, November games. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much how I feel. I mean. You know, just just for the reference, the last time we beat Penn State at College Station, College College Park, College uh, University College Park. Station, University Park. God, I've been there. Um, the last time we beat them at College Park was 1954. Wow. Yep, one of the nine wins. Um, so, like, I think, yeah, Jake, I, Jake, you were there for that, weren't you? No, but I think that that's. I think you're straight on, Jake. I think I think that if you don't beat if you don't beat Pitt, or at least have a last minute kind of operation. Although to me, that's the whole problem. Is that like the whole four what is it four years now of 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 it's year two sorry yeah i still like i still cannot when i read that when i heard him say that i was just i was floored i have i've always thought really highly of shane and and never thought he was an idiot but like that was just to me just like one of the I, i could not fathom that same. It was a, like a world shake, a world shaking comment, like a worldview shaking comment. Right. It was, because it, like, yeah. I mean, and, and I've been pretty open about like how I feel about, you know, the situation, but just my God. But yeah, I think that like the problem has been we're close, but never we're, we're close, but never there, you know, and that's that works in hand grenades. Um, and so, ultimately, you've got to be able to show some some product. So would we say that? 
you know, in terms of season outlook, is Penn State like? I mean, it's not actually, but like in a kind of a perverse way, it's the least important non-conference game, right? Because we're kind of expecting a loss there. Really, what we need is to win the next two. I, I think so. I think Penn State is an assumed loss because, you know, you're thinking this is a top 10 or top 15 team and West Virginia clearly is not in that realm right now. So I don't think there's any expectations of a win. You go in there and you try not to, you know, you, you save face and show that there's some promise. But, um, you know, the scheduling issue aside, I'm sure this isn't the, the opening Neil wants to the season and I'm sure he doesn't want he doesn't want to again. You know, he, he doesn't want these, but it's it is what it is. And you got to find a way if you want to be somewhat of a serious football program, you, you got to find a way to win one of the two against the, the Pennsylvania teams. Nope. All right. Should we uh, let's get into uh, what do we do? should we just do those next three? Yeah, so well, so I think there's like a natural progression here. So we, we see the non-con and then there's two games next that are the the first two conference games that approach a bye. And I think that is important because, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that, that Neil Brown's job is not like safe and sound at this point. So there is the possibility of a almost two full week gap where some kind of change could be in the works. So, you know, we talked about the, the non-con. We have Penn, at Penn State, Duquesne, then versus Pitt. You open up the conference at home versus Texas Tech. This is an improving team that has shown that sometimes new coaches can work out. And the following week, you go to TCU, who clearly has demonstrated the process of you can put a new coach out there and things may, might just go all right. So, you know, how important are those two games following up the, the non-conference? I would say Texas Tech is maybe the on, on the first half of the schedule maybe the most important because Agreed. if you go one and two, you got to win that game. If you go two and one, you get you can get to three and one, and that like kind of subsides, and you you can probably get to the end of the season. Um, it's also it's a team he's never beat, so you can kind of yeah. check that box there. True. Um, you know it. It also is maybe the the easiest of the first first half games um, in terms of player emotion and fan emotion, you know, it's just one of those where like, Hey, you can kind of build some momentum there. So if you can win that game, you either get to 500 or you get two games above 500, depending on what you do with Pitt. And then, you know, whatever happens with TCU isn't really as big a deal. That also said, that game follows – that. that's the second of your three home games. So, you know, best case scenario, you – or it's the third of your three home games. So, third, yeah. So, you know, you, you beat Duquesne. May, maybe you get rolling. You beat Pitt. And you beat Texas Tech. You know, that's a three-game home winning streak. That, that does a lot for the fan base as well because now you're about to go on the road for a while. You don't come home for a month. So getting wins at home are, is always important. So I think Texas Tech is kind of that one where if Pitt is going to determine whether or not Neil is going to really save his job, Texas Tech is that one, like, I, I think you're really going to have a, an idea there. Like, is this team going to be able to compete or are we flushing this entire season down the toilet? Because it's going to be really easy to go one and three 
or three and one. You know, you can kind of talk yourself into, into any of those scenarios there. And one and three, three and one, you know, you win three home games. The fan base is more more excited, more energetic. They're, they're you know, starting to get back on the climb a little bit. You know, you go one and three and, and you're four games into the season and the, you're done. You got eight games left and no one's no one's caring anymore. Yeah. Did we ever stop climbing, Jake? <laughs> I, I, you know, I've, I've, I haven't seen that. I have not seen that. Um, like I've, I've, I've been trying to figure out where that came from because it never felt like something like that anybody that I know within athletics would have came up with. They're, they're a lot more clever than that. I feel like um, I haven't, I haven't heard a thing about the climb since um, uh, Shane left. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that's like. And I'm now left to. Like... I am now left to once, once more conclude that Shane came up with that and just be like. <laughs> I no. still I still see some recruits tweeting about it, but yeah, it's not plastered all over my social media feed like like it has been these last four years. Yeah, uh, Jake, I had exactly the same notes about that Tech game. Um, I think it's the most important game on the first half of this. Well, has the potential to be the most important game on the first half. Pitt is obviously the most important game on the first half of the schedule, but um, of the conference slate, that's the one where you know it's a swing game in the season, right? You win that one, you're either back at five hundred. Uh, worst case scenario. Best case scenario, well, not best case scenario, but maybe I don't know. B plus case scenario. You're you're three and one, and you're rolling into TCU. You buy a little bit of goodwill. Um, TCU, you know, uh, I kind of felt like they pulled twelve and zero out of their ass last year. They got exposed a little bit in the championship game. Um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a slight, a slight, a slight exposure. Um, uh, yeah, and. Man, being at that TCU game last year, I didn't feel like that was like an unbeatable football team. We we weren't good last year, and we had every chance of winning that game down the stretch. We just didn't do it. Um, and they lose like all of the explosiveness. They bring back Ch- so Chandler Morris will start, and people forget that he started the season for him last year, and then got hurt in the first game, and then Max Duggan uh, came in and you know did did what he did. Uh, so they'll have Chandler Morris back, but like. All the rest of their good players on offense are gone. Um, they'll have they'll have some defense uh, defensive guys back, but you know nothing. Again, nothing from last year made me feel like that's an unbeatable football team. So you know, say 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 the the best case scenario happens. We we start out, we beat Pitt, we come back, we beat T, uh, we beat Texas Tech. Going down to TCU, I don't feel like that's an unwinnable game. You know, if we're on if we're on a little bit of a roll there, so. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean I feel like if you split those split those Texas teams, you know, preferably you win the home game and lose the road game, um, just for the fans' sake, like you said. But um, yeah, so I, yeah, go ahead. I have a very cut and dry question for all you guys. If we go into the bye week two and three, assuming one of those wins is Duquesne and you only win one of your three games, is Neil the coach moving forward to Houston, which is the first game? After I think I think so. Yeah. So yeah, we have never years. we have never fired a coach midseason. We've never done that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think our fans are a little bit spoiled in the fact that in my lifetime we've had what four head coaches. Yeah, yeah. I think Colorado has had that in like five years. Um, God, John, you're old. 
So I, I think, you know, we've we've been pretty lucky in that. I think that as long – I think if they're two and three, if if the permutation matters. But my feeling is, is that if you leave October – if you leave September one and three, if you lose that Texas Tech game, I can't see you. I can't see you beating TCU uh, on the road and going in. And I think, I think if you're like one and five at that point, or one and four, yeah, one and four. I think if you're, yeah, you know, one and five, yeah, I can do math. I promise. No, one and four. One, one and four. four. <laughs> I can do math. I can do math. I promise. I have a degree. Uh, I have a journalism degree, folks. Um, which means I cannot do math. Um, I think if you're one and four, I think that's a different conversation. I think if yeah. you're one and four, I think, and 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 I think I've I heard some people who are like, oh well, WVU, it's always the same old, same old, blah 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 blah. They won't, nothing changes. If you have paying attention to what Rin has done in his first like months, like. The Larry Harrison situation should basically just tell you that if Neil is one in four, he will not survive. <laughs> like he will not survive. He may get to the end of the season as the head coach, but that's just because they didn't want to fire him in the middle of the season. Like that's the only thing that I can like plausibly imagine. Um, yeah, so I think that Tex- I think that sweep there of Texas Tech and TCU is going to be really, really important to his career. Mm-hmm. Um, to the season, I don't think because like larger picture too. I think you look at that Texas Tech game. If you fall to like, let's say you're two and one, two and two is okay. You can get through that two and two, but you've got to you've got to win two games coming out of October because if you're at one and three, there is no way in hell you're going to get enough games to get bowl eligible. No. Yeah. So I, like I you're would, just, yeah. just not going to happen. I, I would say the only way Neil's fired before Houston is if he's 0 and 5, and that means that you lost to Duquesne. You lose to Duquesne. I think if you lost to Duquesne, he's probably fired. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I, mean, I think has, he's walking across the not, street to, yeah. to, to the hospital because something terrible has happened. Right. I'm not prepared yeah. to consider that scenario. So, so I, I, I mean, no. even at 1 and 4, he's not fired. You know, going into Houston, um, I, I think the the you know two and three he's safe. They're, they you know you you beat somebody else other than Duquesne, so you've got a Power Five win at that point. You're safe. Um, the first thing, so talking about these first five games, I'm a big believer in who do you play before the before and who does that team play before. And so looking at the schedule, then Texas Tech when we get to them. They will have played. Uh, I think it's like Tarkington or somebody. Oh, it, it, the Texas Tech schedule infuriates me. Right and every year. Now we are the first game that they play outside of the state of Texas. That that may matter to us. You know, we get them at home. They have to travel from Lubbock. It's a long drive. That's good for us. TCU plays SMU now. Kind of a rivalry game. It, it's still P5, G5 type thing. So, you know, I, I think those games are going to be tough. And I think Texas Tech is going to be a tougher game for us than maybe people want to, like, think about. You know, A, Neil has not beaten them. That needs to be in there. They're also, out of those first five games, the only team that brings their quarterback back. 
So Penn State has a new quarterback. Pitt has a new quarterback. TCU is going to have a new quarterback. Texas Tech doesn't. They've got their same quarterback back. So that, that kind of goes to that whole Is point. The Morton kid. I I feel like Texas Tech goes through this like <laughs> sequence of quarterbacks that I can never quite keep up with because seemingly every time that one of them starts to show promise, they like get a lung punctured or something. <laughs> like, ah. So I mean, so, we're a cursed we're a cursed team. So I yeah. I, so. I, yeah. It, it's really interesting to me when we look at the schedule, the, the first half of it is really tough. I mean, I think we would all agree it's a really hard first five games. The interesting part is that other than Texas Tech, everyone has a new quarterback. So there are some some differences there. You get to this back half. It's the opposite. It supposedly is easier but almost everyone brings their quarterback back. So you're, you're, you've got to find some wins up front in order to kind of supplement the back half. Um, and so I, I think you can win. I, I think we can beat Texas Tech, and I think we can beat TCU. You know, T- Texas Tech is traveling outside of Texas for the first time. TCU is, is was a little bit of a mirage. They were not as good as they they sh- probably were. Um, but you, you've got to find some wins there. And if you can't find those wins there, the schedule, even though it quote unquote gets easier, I don't think it's going to get as easy as maybe you know you would hope it would get. So you got to find some some wins there. And then we head into this bye week that's not really a bye week. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great segue. So interesting, like I, I do like the way the schedule's set up, but you have your bye week. There's not a full 14 days between games, so you, you come into a Thursday night game at Houston. Um, and you think of any significance between West Virginia and Houston, especially with uh, coaches on the hot seat, you know, I think this will be a really interesting game because of those things. So, you know, just maybe looking at this next chunk, let's look at just October. So, you know, TCU September 30th, you have this 12 day gap. Then you go to Houston, come back home for Oklahoma state, who is maybe a team that I think the buzz has been a little bit negative um, about around things this off season. And then you go down to central Florida. So in October, you're facing two of, uh, you know, two of your three games are against new big 12 opponents. So, you know, what's your outlook in this little chunk of October? So I, I, I think this is, this is a, this is a good opportunity for the club, for the team. Um, I think the Houston game. So there's going to be a lot made, I think in the media and amongst the fan base about that Houston game. My sense is that probably within the locker room, it's probably not as big of a deal. Um, but I think within the media, I think, I think Neil will be aware of that. I, Cause I, I don't, I think you'd have to be, like literally dead to not be aware of like the significance of going and playing Dana in Houston. Um, and it'll be a big media game. I'm sure that the, that the, I, I mentioned at the start, I am sure that we asked for this for, if we were going to be forced into a Thursday night game that we were like, can you please not make us play that at home? Because I know the fans kind of like Thursday night games. There's all of that like feel of a, of a Thursday night game from an administrative side, the university, hates them um anyone who has lived in morgantown will tell you how awful a thursday night game is for just living in the city of morgantown it's also just terrible as like someone who has worked those games because like you get home at like two o'clock at night and you're just like dead for friday so but i think as far as like 
I think it's a good opportunity. I think Houston, you know, Houston is last year's Houston team was like the most Dana team I could imagine. Like they were just all over the place. They were so all over the place. And you had Dana like losing his shit constantly. Just was a very Dana experience. Um, so I'm curious. I think that's a really interesting game. I think Oklahoma State is is I think they are in I think they are in for a rough ride. Um, I think that they have hit that point of like program funk that is not going to be easy to escape in a way that like I was kind of thinking was happening to Clemson until they they made a big move for a new offensive coordinator. Um I think that, which that's another point about TCU. They lost, uh, they lost uh, uh, Riley Jr. So that they'll be installing a whole new offense again. Although it's Sunny Dykes, so. Uh, but but you know, I think I think Oklahoma State's in a lot of trouble. They lost a lot of talent. Um, Spencer Spencer Sanders is gone. Uh, a couple wide receivers. Their offense was bad. I mean, they were a bad football team last year. They were a bad football team towards the end. Like they were good for about the first five weeks, and then seven and zero. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, like they were really good, and then they just collapsed, and that collapse seems to be continuing. So I think that's an interesting game. I think, um, you know, that's an opportunity. And then I think Central Florida is really interesting. Um, we have not, as a as a program actually won a lot of games in the state of florida um always been kind of a bugaboo for us actually to go down and and you know we had the great great games against south florida uh great games against miami rarely won those games so this is a good opportunity for us to go down to to get in front of recruits that we desperately needed to be in front of um, and get an opportunity to, to like get those Florida kids in front of their parents. Uh, I think, you know, central Florida should be interesting. That's going to be, a that's, that's, uh, what's his name? Gus, Malzahn. Gus bus. Malzahn. Uh, yeah. Gus Malzahn. They're, they're, you know, they kind of underperformed this year though. Like they, sh- they were supposed to be, you know, one of the top teams in the, in the, in the American conference. And I think they finished like third or fourth they didn't make the yeah nine, nine and five yeah yeah they didn't make their championship game um you know so i think they're an interesting team i think that those are all three winnable games those are all three losable games too yeah. like those aren't teams that i think that we're vastly superior than in any way shape or form which is i think in itself kind of a statement about where the program is uh because when we joined the big 12 if you had said well i just don't know if we're vastly superior than central florida or houston you would have gotten laughed out of the room yeah. also to their the, the point that those programs have really invested central florida and houston have really invested in their programs uh, but i think that those are two interesting winnable games and i think we're happy that we're we're playing them i would assume that we'll probably have central florida in our rotation every year um i would think that that was that's probably going to be there so i think it's it's an interesting three weeks um but it'll also be really interesting i mean can you imagine if you're first let's let's play the game of like we fire dana or we not hire we fire we again fire, uh, uh, <laughs> Neil into the sun, and your first game as as interim head coach is against Dana at Houston. Yeah. Ugh, wolf, wolf. Yeah. So, so let's I, yeah let's not consider say, that. So, Go so ahead, Jake. 
it, the the interesting thing about about this is you know everyone kind of looks at it and goes oh we have a buy and then we play Houston and I'll give credit where it's due Mike Kazaza uh, pointed this out so this isn't me being smart um, it's not really a bye week because because of that Thursday game because the kid you know they're going to have their off week but. Game prep now is going to get moved up two days. So instead of starting it on Sunday and or Monday and, and going through it, now everything starts on Saturday. So now the kids don't get to go home. They don't get a chance to kind of mentally take a break. They come back. They're going to have three or four days maybe off, but they got to come back right away and get, get going again. And then they're going to travel. So, you know, that Houston game I think is really interesting because it, it's, it's a buy, but it's not. And it, for Dana, it – sets up a little bit better. It's a home game. You know, those kids can go home. You know, there a lot of their, the idea for him was to get kids within, you know, the Houston Metro area. So you would think that those kids can get a little bit of a break. Um, I, you know, I think Andy's right. I think, you know, fan wise and, and media wise, it's probably going to get played up more than it will be for the coaches. I would be curious to know the administration side because you have to think there has to be a little bit of we fire or we we push this one guy out to get this new guy and now we're playing him you know did we really make the right choice whether or not that that is we'll see um but then going from there so you go you go from houston and then we finally come back and we've got oklahoma state Oklahoma State's interesting because they play, and I'm trying to look, they play Kansas before us. And I think that's going to be, I don't think that sets up well for us because if Kansas is going to be that power option team that they were, that's probably going to be very close to what we are. You know, we're going to be this running two-back team. And so I think that may give Oklahoma State the ability to kind of game plan. Hey, we're playing the same team twice in a row, right? Like it's always – it's not fun to play Army middle of the season because, holy crap, they're running this triple option. We don't. I just want to interject. Do you actually think Neil is capable of calling that kind of an (laughs) offense? Because I don't. (laughs) I don't don't think think Neil is capable of calling my son's 11U football team. So, you know, that, that – that's that's a different story but you know i think that that's the you know if we're going to be that running team that we we talk about because that's what our we're kind of set up to be playing kansas before us isn't help you know helps oklahoma state maybe hurts us a little bit and then and then you get ucf and we should beat ucf they do return their quarterback the interesting thing with ucf is they play oklahoma before us that's a game that like if if Texas Tech and Pitt don't break us, you lose to UCF. I think that that in and of itself is going to be the like we're we're completely done. There's no coming back. I don't care if you you run the table at that point because we've got to be better than UCF. Like Andy said, we're going down to Florida. This is a chance to start kind of getting in front of, of players and, and recruits and bringing those guys in and. Oklahoma, I think, is going to be better. They're not going to be the the dumpster fire that they were, or they'll be a smaller dumpster fire. So they, you know, they they're probably going to body UCF a little bit. UCF should be hurting. Like we need to take advantage of of that. So, like Andy said, those are winnable games. There, you know, I can talk myself into a lot of like like we could win eight or nine games because I think that we're we're capable of winning. You know, lots of games. We're also capable of losing lots of games because we're just not significantly better than any one of these teams that we're talking about. Yep. Here's an interesting fact about that Oklahoma State game. Um, Mike Gundy has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
He's the eighth winningest coach all time against WVU. <laughs> the only coach here are the coaches who have more wins than him: Joe Paterno, who has twenty-five; um, Jack Sutherland, who was at Pitt from nineteen twenty-four to nineteen thirty-eight, had fourteen wins. Uh, Frank That's Beamer had games. yeah. Frank Beamer had twelve wins. Charles Rip E. Engel, also at Penn State, had twelve wins, and uh, Ben Schwartzwalder had 11 wins and Pascaloni Paul Pascaloni is tied with him with 8 wins. Mike Gundy has more wins against WVU than Pop Warner did. Jeez. Wow. So that's just like I mean like it's it's hard to think about that he's like I think that's the problem at Oklahoma State. I think he's hit that like that point where he's so inflexible about what the program is that they're just like and that he's not I mean he's an asshole That's, there's no nice way to say he's that he's a man though. he's 40 he's actually he's 50 now he's like 50 something now that was like 10 years that was like 15 years ago we're old we're ancient but yeah no I think I think you know you you guys were right I, I'm I, it's an interesting series of games I think um, to imagine us playing those three games god yeah 3-0 and baby yeah, I think if you can get through that, if you are so like if you're if you're de- if you're you're Neil and you are having a, a, a Satterfield like season, right? Coming through that stretch of games two and one three or three and zero oh, probably like takes any pressure off you for that final those final four games. But uh, someone remind me. Joel, I think you've you've said this before. Neil's never won three games in a row, has he? He's never won three, and I almost brought it up when we were saying the Duquesne Pitt Texas Tech run. He's never won three games in a row. Um, yeah, ever at, at West Virginia. I'm sure he did it at Troy, but um, no, you know, I, I, I think the I think the the Houston Oklahoma State UCF run. If you're going to win three in a row and break the streak, I actually. Personally, I think that's the run to do it. I think if if you have a team that's going to compete in this league, those should be teams that you should be able to handle this year. And if not, I mean, then, you know, it is what it is. that We, we are the team that we have been for a few years now. Um, but I think those are the, the three, you know, winnable in a stretch to me. Well, and I think it's interesting because I think it's important to prove a point about the future of the program. Yeah, you got to beat the new boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if we're going to like all four are beatable this year, we play all four of them. Set the set the marker like, OK, look, Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. We're, we're going to be fine, you know, you know, like we were when Miami and Virginia exactly. Tech and Boston College left. Exactly. Rutger, Rutger, God, Jesus. I, I just want to say I'm cackling over here because Joel brought that stat up and he completely broke Jordan right there. Jordan just about died when he mentioned that he hadn't won three in a row. It's been, it's been like five years since we won three games it's in a, a row. It's a pretty damn good yeah. that for a minute, but – yeah, I was feeling good about that pit, that pit uh, Duquesne Tech stretch, and then he says that shit, and it's just <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Right. Okay, so so let's let's segue to the last month yeah. of the season, so November, and I, I think just something that I noticed in the schedule is you have a run 
of four out of your six games in this run are the new four teams. So to start November, you play at home against BYU. Um, I know some fans wanted to travel to BYU just because a beautiful place. Other people were like, send us to the West Coast. It's a polarizing thing, but home versus BYU. Then you have to go at Oklahoma. So at Oklahoma the next week. Then home versus Cincinnati, which I think is – Man, if you could just have a November game that matters, that would be a really fun game. Home versus Cincinnati, second to last week of the season. Just make the season matter to that point. And then your final game is at Baylor on November 25th. So, Jordan, I'll start with you. What do you uh, What do you think about the, the final month of the season? Uh, yeah. well, it, we'll have to see. I have, I have no clue – at this point, how good Oklahoma and Baylor are going to be. I think that we can beat the two new teams. Um, BYU, BYU was a solid team last year. They, they kind of, you know, they, they bring a pretty decent amount back uh, from that team, uh, from, from what I saw. Uh, but, you know, first time in Morgantown, I get, you know, I, it's a game that I think that we should expect to win. Um, Oklahoma. How do you think? How do you think the BYU fans will adapt to Morgan? Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, no, it's. A, I mean, oil and water. You know, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a fun trip for him. I don't know. I'm sure. Oh, no, no, no. Fun. Ain't got fun anywhere, buddy. I live out here next to these people. They ain't gonna have fun anywhere. They can find a soda shop. They are. They are. Have it made oh in the God. shade. Yeah. Well, maybe. Hopefully, there's a little bit of culture shock there. Um, Take them down to Hummers. <laughs> right. But. Uh, uh, yeah, the Oklahoma game, I mean, they should be better in year two, but I don't see, you know, I don't see a significant jump back to anywhere approaching the battleship that they that they were. Um, still on the road, I don't know if I see us beating them twice in a row. Um, yeah, Cincinnati, man, uh, you know, I just have Oh Baby written down. Like, I'm just excited to be playing them again, excited to be playing somebody who, you know, I could drive to their stadium in three hours. Um, yeah, this is something something cool about that. Um, I think at this point, we're, we're two years removed from the CFP run. It seems like most of the good players from that team are in the NFL now. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a game that we should expect to win. I don't know. I mean, spoiler for, for my season prediction, I think all six of the home games are uh, – are winnable. Um, and so, you know, I expect to win the Cincy and then Baylor Baylor's tough. Cause uh, you know, like Jake said, they bring the quarterback back uh, and he's good. I, you know, I, I, I hold him in reasonably high esteem. Um, I think the running back, the running back, Richard Reese, I think he's really good, but for the, for the second year in a row, they're, they're losing a ton of their high end players. You know, I think, um, the dudes who have powered, and I guess it, we'll, we'll see how they've recruited, but the dudes who have powered the offensive line for the last two or three years are all on their way out. Um, their two best defensive linemen from last year, I think, are on their way out. So, you know, it's 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 hard to say. Like, I, I they, they've been pretty up and down. I think last year they were kind of what I thought they were. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure... You know, going on the road, I think it's winnable, but who knows? I don't know. I think if you come out of that two and two, you're you're okay with it. Three and one is good. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think I think BYU is an interesting game again because I think that the that 
they're a winnable game. They're a good team. They're always a good football team. They're, they they play a they know what they are, and they but they're they're not gonna. I think they're going to have an adjustment period to the Big 12. Yeah. Um, so, I think so, this... let, me, let me jump in here real quick. The, the big thing about BYU is they are traveling cross-country. I went back. But they, they do that at... a lot. I mean, they, Actually, they... they don't. They don't do it as much like coming this far east. So That's true. every time they've come this far east, we need to hope and pray and pay, pay the Big 12 to make that like a 1 o'clock game. Anytime that they come this far east and it's a – noon one o'clock game they lose or they are not that good they lost to liberty last year when they came to liberty you know and played a one o'clock game they played you uh somebody else you know at a one o'clock game and middle of the season i think that's a really big um you know feather in our hat that if we can get them at a noon one o'clock game and they have to come here it's a big deal. If that ends up being a later game, I think that changes the story. But right now, when I'm looking at it, I'm going, they have to travel cross country. We're going to play. It's going to be like 10 a.m. their time normal. That's going to throw them off. So that's one of those games that like, we we should be thinking we're going to win because we've got some advantages coming into that one. They also play Texas right before us, and I think I think Texas is whether they're good or not. Uh, I think Texas is going to be a very physical football team. Yeah. Um, but I think BYU's you know they're it won't be easy, but they're always a they're always a good football team. Um, Oklahoma, I agree. I think Oklahoma is going to be a lot better. I think um, I think the conference is going to come down to Oklahoma and Kansas State. It's my kind of prediction. Um, yeah, I think I think Oklahoma will be probably like a ten and two kind of football team, and I think Kansas State will continue. I think Kansas State just has it figured out. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati and Cincinnati's also going to have a new a new coach who um, was apparently miserable at Louisville. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you've got Satterfield, so they've got a whole new whole new operation now by november they should have a feel for what kind of a team they want to be um although we're four five years in and i'm still (laughs) i was hoping we could make that a thing um but yeah i think that that cincinnati game is a is 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 big it's it's a great opportunity for us to play uh, a, a game that we had kind of started to turn into a rival you know that had started to feel like a rivalry kind of game um and then at baylor like i think i i really wish dave aranda worked anywhere else like not only because i don't want to have to play him every year uh but because i hate baylor and i don't think baylor should exist as a university let alone get to have good sports um I just think that they're going to always be tough under Dave Aranda. Now, I don't know if they're going to be very good or not. They finished this season. They had a pretty rough ending to the season. Um, they lost their last four games. Um, they lost. Uh, can't Now, they did play three ranked teams at the end of the season. Um but they did not look good in their bowl game at all. They looked pretty, pretty awful against, uh, you know, a tough to play Air Force team. Like Air Force is is a good football team, obviously, but like Air Force was was you know ten and three, ten, nine and nine and three or something. If you're you're a Big Twelve team, you should beat Air Force. Um, you shouldn't shouldn't lose like that. So I. I I think Baylor's interesting. I think we'll know a lot more about them, though, 
and you might have to adjust. But I think for for sake of the of 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 the program and and looking forward and feeling like you've got a pulse, I think you need to go two and two in that series. And I think that's completely asked. I think that that's not asking too much. I think, you know, you should beat BYU at home um, and you should beat Cincinnati at home. Uh, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Neil does have a win against Oklahoma. True. Which is True. still, I think, one of the most bizarre. Like, if you had told anyone at the beginning of the season that you will lose to uh, a one and eight in the conference, you will be Iowa State's only conference win, but you will also beat Texas. You will also beat Oklahoma. <laughs> oh yeah, and Baylor. The, the at the time, the Big Twelve reigning champs. Yeah, you will be Baylor. Some bizarre wins. Um, so just really bizarre stuff. Uh, yeah, my God. So, 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 just one more question before I guess maybe we'll do a little prediction. But just one more question: Is there any team that you are happy to have dodged or that you will miss playing? So, the teams available for that selection would be Texas, of course, Iowa State. Rest in peace, the Riot Bowl. Um, we got Kansas State and Kansas, both of which had our number last year. So, anybody that you have strong feelings about, which is just a testament to us in the Big 12, are you going to miss them or are you happy to dodge them? Is there any team that stands out? I, I am super glad that we dodged Texas. I, you know, I know Andy said Oklahoma and Kansas State. I think Texas has the potential to be, you know, that third team in there. And whether or not they go eight and five and pull a Texas, I think they're going to be very physical. And I'm glad that we're not going to be having to deal with them. Um, I'm going to miss Iowa State. I always enjoy that rivalry. I always enjoy talking trash to their their site people and, and you know, and enjoying that. It's a fun rivalry. We kind of get each other. Um I'd also say I'm, I'm glad to to miss Kansas State. I, I agree with Andy. I think they're going to be really good. So, you know, we missed probably two of the three best teams in the league. Um, you know, Andy said earlier this is probably the best schedule we could have hoped for. I think you know, if we could have replaced Oklahoma with Iowa State, that'd be great. But you kind of need one of the two blue bloods on your, your schedule. So, yeah, I would agree that uh, – or I would say, you know, glad to miss Texas, Texas and going to miss Iowa State for a year. Yeah, I think um, I think I would echo most of that. I, I would say glad glad to dodge Texas, glad to dodge Kansas State, um, Iowa State. I'm indifferent. You know, they always have these weird teams. So you know, I'm I'm happy to not play that game. The one I'm the one I'm kind of pissed that we missed out on is Kansas because I thought last year was some bullshit. Um, we were the we were the guinea pig for that that bullshit triple option. And by bullshit, I mean beautiful, gorgeous. I hope we re- replicate it. Um, you know, triple option offense. Um, and you know, I really do feel like if we had caught them later in the year, even if Jalen Daniels had been healthy, when there had had been some film out on what they were going to do. We, we still beat that team, you know, um, and, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed that we don't get the chance to have revenge uh, on them this year because, you know, again, I, I think we would have beat them last year if we hadn't been uh, patient zero. I yeah. think that's fair. I mean, I think that's imminently fair. I mean, we should have still won that game. Like that's correct. The, oh, correct. Yeah. Oh, like, no, no. Uh, let's let's be fair there. But I think uh, for me, I'm glad that we dodged Kansas State because I just felt like I feel like Kansas State's a game. I don't know. It's can they just bring Ron Prince back? Can they can they do that for me? Um, 
because otherwise I just don't want anything to do with them. I just I think it's, it's a hard game to play, and they're just always physical. They're always just like this irritatingly good team, too. It's also they're irritatingly good because there's no reason that we can't be the same level of irritating and good that Kansas State is. There is no reason that our program can't have that level of success. We have better facilities. We're not in the middle of fucking Kansas. Ooh, Manhattan. Jesus Christ. Any of you ever been to Manhattan? No. D- driven past, but not been in. There's there's not a lot there. Yeah. There's, I, I say that with all due respect to the people of Manhattan, Kansas. Jesus. <laughs> um, I, I'm indifferent about, about Texas. Uh, I, I mean, I enjoy beating Texas. I hate lose. I don't like to lose to Texas. I do really enjoy beating Texas, um, but I'm going to enjoy watching Texas lose a lot in the SEC. So it's going to be a great ride for some Schadenfreude. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm. I, I would say if I'm, I'm. I enjoy the Iowa State game for the same reasons Jake does. It, it's a little bit of nice banter. It, it felt like the only thing that we had remotely close to a rivalry game. Like that could like fit into that like box. So like in a way, it's a little bit of like ah, but I'm I'm perfectly okay not having to deal with with Matt Campbell again, um, and whatever nonsense that they have have decided to do to us this year. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think mostly echo. I mean, like the Texas is like that's fun to win, but losing it is whatever. Iowa State, I never felt any way about. Kansas State and Kansas, I'd, I'd rather just dodge at this point, especially Kansas State. Um, yeah, I like our schedule. It's at least interesting. There's opportunity, for sure. You get four new teams in conference, two meaningful out-of-conference games. Like There is opportunity. You can't say that the chance is not in front of this team if it can seize the moment. And I guess that sort of is a good you know, lead-in to somewhat of a prediction and maybe – Maybe we should all give like a floor ceiling and, you know, just a real quick um, explanation of why. So, you know, 2023 West Virginia Mountaineers, what are we thinking a reasonable floor and a reasonable ceiling is given this schedule? Anybody is welcome to hop up first. So I'll do this. I kind of sat down before this and actually looked at the schedule, kind of came up with with an idea. I think the floor – is and I'm I'm gonna benefit Neil. I think the floor is five and seven. Um, I think that there is you've got the four new teams, and I think you can, you know, potentially go three and one with those teams. Um, you've got a pretty decent home slate with Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and uh, BYU. So you know the floor I think is five and seven. Neil has kind of proved he has the ability to, to muck up games and slow them down. And you know they're not they're not pretty by any means, but we have the ability to kind of keep them close and we pull one or two out. So I think five and seven is the floor. I think if things go right, you know I can easily talk myself into eight or nine wins. Um, you know you, you you get on a roll here. You 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 we've been close. We've won two in a row multiple times. You know it's just getting that third one. So, you know, if you get that third one, you know, it's kind of like what uh, I always go back to the Lou Brown quote from Major League. You know, you win, you win one today, that's a win. You win one tomorrow, that's two in a row. You win one after that, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where if you can get some momentum going, things can go right. And, you know, we always, Jordan 
and I have been saying for the last four years, you know, we've, we've kind of stepped on the rake and stepped in the dog shit and, you know, slipped in the puddle and found the banana peels. At some point, the other teams have to do it and we have to avoid it at some point. And it has to flip. Know, if, if we can do that, you know, I can easily talk myself into nine wins. I think a lot of these games are toss-ups and, you know, that, that means – we, we should win. You know, they're going to be 50-50, 60-40 games a lot of times, at least, you know, kind of looking at it because teams don't have their, their quarterbacks or they're making a long trip or whatever. But, you know, we need to stop being such coin flip games. And I think, you know, you kind of get on a roll, you know, that you, you saw it last year where FPI would have us at one point, we were never going to win another game. And then we won one and all of a sudden FPI switched and we were, you know, oh, now we're, we're kind of favored and we're favored in a game we shouldn't be. So I've kind of got our floor at five and seven and I can easily talk myself into to eight and four. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, I, I don't see us winning fewer than five. Um, I had, you know, I feel like a very reasonable bar would be seven. Um, and then if, yeah, like you said, some things go right. Some things, some things go right. You win eight, nine. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect, like you said, three and one against the new teams. I don't think it's unreasonable to expect four and zero against the new teams. You know, it, it, there's the transition factor. Cincinnati's got a new coach coming in. Houston is is rebuilding. BYU is the one where there's a little bit of stability there. Like Andy was saying, they have an identity. I think they they bring a good bit of people. Uh, back from from the team last year um, that would be the one that I would have my eye on UCF I don't see why we can't beat UCF Oklahoma State's in shambles Duquesne's a win um, yeah I mean I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat I would see the floor well, at, at five maybe as many as eight or nine so uh, I will be the the odd man out of, of the two um, and I say this with with love to 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 the university to, to none of us want to see um, we all want we all want uh, I think listeners understand we all want the, the program to succeed I I have never felt this negative about a WVU football team maybe the last year of Bill Stewart's I which feel we probably like, went nine and four. Which we went nine and four. We promptly went nine and four, which sounds great now. Kill for nine and four now. Um, but nine That's and four that year was a, nine and four that year though was like actually a big freaking like disaster. Like it took actual disaster level coaching to get that team to lose those games. But. I think for me, I think I think the floor is I think the floor is honestly like two wins. Like I don't I'm I I just think that the psyche of this team is going to be really fragile, I feel like, in a way that we haven't seen for a while. And it just feels like to me that things are either just gonna like fall apart. Like we're at that point where it's either just going to be an unmitigated disaster of a season and Neil gets fired and we all get to move on with our lives or it's going to be like a seven or eight wins. I think there's a really low floor to next week year, but I think the ceiling is about where you all think it is. I think the, the, the ceiling is eight, nine, 
you know, regular season wins. I can't see, I can't see us coming up with 10 wins just because of, of how difficult that schedule really is. But I'm just really afraid that if they lose that pick game, that they're just not going to ever be able to like get it back together in a way that doesn't end with just collapse. And I might be wrong. I, I, I will be happy to be wrong about that. Yeah. I'll be happy to run about that. But that's just my my inner sense of like pessimism. And I'm usually the optimist, I feel like. Um we could talk about basketball where I'm where hope always springs eternal. Um but yeah, I think that the just my worry, my real worry is is that they're that the vibes I've become I've come like uh, I've come like a believer in vibe in the vibes theory of of, of of sports and that I just feel like the vibes are going to turn south in a hurry. If you don't win, if you don't beat Pitt and you don't beat Texas tech and you go into TCU at Owen oh, at one and four or one and three going into TCU, I think the vibes are just going to go south in a hurry and they're yeah. not going to recover. Yeah, and I, I think so in my floor ceiling kind of estimation here, I'm maybe somewhere between Andy and uh, Jordan and Jake. So, you know, I do think that um, some optimism can be propped up on stilts. And, and if you want to say Pitt and Texas Tech both are 50-50 games, and there's a 25% chance you'll lose both of them. And I think if that happens, there is a, a dark path that this season could go down. Um, I think that is is a possibility i mean i think that has happened you know that could happen and this could be you know a three to four win team i don't i don't think two um but i say like you know somewhere between three and four is a floor i also think let's talk a little positive so you have six home games and i think jordan you were right i think these are all very winnable home games i mean duquesne should be put down in, in pin already pitt that's winnable texas tech is winnable i mean these are both like coin flip games oklahoma state winnable BYU is winnable. Cincinnati is winnable. Those are your six home games. Like I think you could you could say you have a fighter's chance in any of those six games. Um, you go out and get one or two more, maybe three more. Uh, I think you could see this team at eight or nine wins. I think the variance is high. Um, you know, I think maybe after Pitt and Texas Tech, I would be comfortable to make a more reasonable analysis of like, okay, Pitt and Texas Tech are probably two teams that are somewhere, you know, within within a reach of where we're maybe expecting to be hopefully we're better than both of them but you know that'll be their measuring stick i think through the first four games we'll know a lot especially in game three and four i don't know how much we learn in game one and two penn state and duquesne you might get blasted and then you might blast a terrible team i don't know what kind of information we get out of that but games three and four i think are like you know our measuring stick for the season I see 12 and 0 a Big 12 championship and then you know I think it ends up 15 no but who knows it's it can go a lot of ways and uh yeah I would kill for 9 and 4 right now that'd be awesome for that to be a disaster season um all right so we've already uh we kind of talked through our football season so in, in 30 seconds or less each you got 9 games left on the Big 12 conference basketball schedule do you think this team is making the tournament right now? We're sitting at a thirteen and nine, a very cursed record. If you uh, if you win your home games and lose your away games, you're eighteen and thirteen. I think that gets you into the tournament. Um, this conference is just insane. I mean, what do you guys think? Is there uh, is there a chance to play our way in here? I, I think they will not make the tournament. 
despite the fact that they should. I think the record, it's going to be one of those where they look at the record and they go, we can't put this team in with that record. But you you look at it and say, if we played literally in any other conference, you know, we would be a top 15 team. So I don't think they make it, though I think they absolutely deserve to. Yeah, that's that's a brutal take. Um, <clears throat> I think they do make it. Uh, you know, I think I think we get to six and twelve in the conference. What is I think that gets us to seventeen, and then maybe we win one game in the tournament, so uh, eighteen. And I think that you know, w- with that, considering just how hard this damn conference is, considering how we performed against some very good teams um, in our in our uh, invitational tournament earlier this year, considering that we smacked Auburn. Um, who was a top 15 team at the time. You, you know, I think the body of work, we're, we're probably like, I'm literally of the opinion that we're, we're like maybe the eighth best team in our conference, but we're like a top 25 or 30 team in the country. So, you know, I think that if, if we continue to play like that, if Stevenson can sort his shit out for at least half of our games, then, then I think we make it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, I think we're going to be that team that slips in at 18 and 13 and that we someone some mid-major is going to be very upset somebody who lost their conference tournament game uh, like a college of Charleston uh, one of the 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 <clears throat> one of the MWC teams or like if AFU were to lose their uh, lose their conference tournament I think one of those teams is gonna is gonna get I won't say screw because I think we're deserving. I think if we win 18 games in the, with this schedule, I think we're, we're probably deserving. Um, I think we can get to it too. I mean, I think, you know, I think we've got to win um, sa- Sunday against Oklahoma. I think we have to have that game. Um, you've got to have your home games. It'd be nice if you could slip a road game, but the road games at this point are at Texas, at Baylor, at Kansas, and at Iowa State. Those are all houses of absolute fucking horrors for us uh, historically. So, um, which is another reason why I'm happy we're not playing Kansas again because I'm I get to lose to Kansas twice a year already. Three times is too much. Um, so yeah, I think you you win your home games, you slip one in the conference tournament game. I think we're in. Um, and I think we're a tough 11 seed. I think we are we are an 11 seed that no one wants to play. <laughs> you don't want to be at the mid-major six who plays <laughs> us as an 11. That's just hell. But um, So, yeah, okay, so just some, some quick numbers. We have not lost to a team at home that is not in the top 15 in Kempom, which is absurd. We have not lost to a team, period, who is not inside the top 45 in Kempom. Once again, absurd. We got nine games left, five of them at home. Every team we play, I mean, this conference is just like this, but we play um, number 44, number 18, 64, 31, and 24. So Iowa State is number 18. That's the best team we play at home. Ken Palm says we're winning all five of them. Our away games, not as great. Number 10, Texas. Number 14, Baylor. Number 9, Kansas. Number 18, Iowa State. So Ken Palm says we're going to win all five home and lose all four away. That would get us to 18 and 13, 7 and 11 in the conference. I think if that happens, we are in. I, I am, I'm cautious to say, if I am making a prediction, I think we finish one game worse than that, and we're like that last four team out, and we finish like top 30 or 35 in Ken Palm, which is just 
like complete absurdity of this conference. But um, yeah, if we slip in as an 11, I feel bad for like Mount St. Mary's or whatever poor mid-major slips in as a six and is having like a nice big season in program history. Because like now, here's, what, here's something for you to or something like that. <laughs> if we're in the last four, then we're going to play in Dayton. And imagine Ooh, I'll be there. playing like Ohio State. I want you to just imagine playing Ohio State in Dayton. As someone living in Columbus, I will I will drive the forty five down the road and uh, and be supportive. But yeah, no that that is honestly a very real possibility. Like we might sit right on that line. And the funny thing is, like I said, I mean, as I've literally just refreshed Ken Palm, we moved from nineteen to eighteen. So we're sitting at eighteen at time of recording, and there are teams, you know, like. Ohio State is 32. There are plenty of teams that are going to get in who are, you know, Florida's had a big win last night um, against number two in the country. Miami is 37, 17 and five. There are teams with much better records who this math does not say are nearly as good as us, which is just, you know, the absurdity of this conference. So I hope we find a way in. Um, I think this team, as well as like, nine others in this conference could make a run in March. That's just like the league we play in. <laughs> I mean, I think that this is going to be probably, I think it's going to be a poorly seated tournament again this year, um, which means a lot of upsets. I think you're also going to see a pretty wide open tournament because to me, there is only one team that I don't have concerns about. Purdue. And that's Purdue. Yep. Um, but I think all of the other good teams are like i think alabama is very capable of being a final four type of team i think alabama is also a very capable team of losing in the the second round like right now and and lenardi is good at picking like just an aside lenardi is really good at figuring out who's going to be in the tournament lenardi is freaking awful at picking where people are going to be and what seed they're what seed line they're on um but like he has, if I were Alabama and I got North Carolina or and Northwestern, like either of those teams, like that's who he has, I would be mortified. I want nothing to do with either of those teams in the second round. Um, yeah. So, and for West Virginia purposes, there are some really terrible matchups that we can get screwed with. We could get to play uh, a, a green uh, a North Carolina team in Greensboro. I'm fully expecting us to have some nonsense where we play Gonzaga. Blech. Is John Calipari still coaching? Are we going to get him in the second round again? We could be, you know, we could actually we make the tournament. Oh God, no, no, no! It's Kentucky, West Virginia as 11s in Dayton. They would do that to us. <laughs> they would do that because that would be like a huge Dayton game to get Kentucky and West Virginia in Dayton for a, a first four. That would be. I don't want to speak that further into existence. <laughs> All right, so last one, I guess. Uh, quick prediction. Give us a give us a season prediction, Jordan. For basketball, football. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought we. Yeah. So I no. I think uh, seven and five. Seven and five feels realistic. Joel. I think Vegas will set the line at five and a half. I think we'll go seven and five as well. Andy. Four and eight, and a new head coach. Gross. All right, I've got us at five and seven. So Joel and uh, and Jordan. So if you're at seven and five, does that save Neil's job? 
They don't pay me enough to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. You get paid uh, to do this? <laughs> I feel like I feel like these uh, these predictions are very on brand. Joel and I were on the climb as long as anybody, and and Andy and Jake were ready to fire Neil after Texas last year. I think so. Um, <laughs> okay, so similar to my basketball prediction game, I think that's when. But you know when broke me? Do you know when Neil broke me? Was that bowl game against Minnesota? I have never been more miserable. Oh, that was the worst game of all game. Yeah, the worst game of all my entire life, and sitting through, time. like. It was like having a a, a nail shoved. What I imagine a nail shoved into your penis is like. <laughs> like that's how fucking painful that game was. Yeah. Mm. I, my, my prediction will be similar to the basketball: is that we will be like in that purgatory of like seven and five, and we shouldn't bring Neil back, but we like will. And that's that's what'll happen. I can't wait. I mean, I'm relatively convinced that the reason why. <laughs> they didn't fire Neil this year was that they didn't want to make Ren's first job. Like first thing that Ren does is pay someone $20 million to not work for the university. Like I'm, I'm firmly convinced that that was the case. Yeah. So, so my, my thoughts are, I think seven and five will save him because you, he hasn't, he hasn't won seven before he hasn't gone seven and five in order to go seven and five. You have to win three in a row. I mean, I guess technically you can go. No, you don't have to, and he won't. I mean, I guess you can get, well, to go, uh, no, I guess you technically don't. But two in a row at once. (laughs) But I think six and six is the, is the break line. I think if you go six and six, you, you, you've stagnated, you've gone five years of being where you are. So I think if he can get that seventh win in the regular season, he comes back. It's that, that, you know, and that may come down to needing to beat Baylor, you know, beating UC and then needing to beat Baylor to, to do that. Um, so I think that'll be that, – that's probably the, the most curious thing I'm watching this year is, okay, what are we going to do at the end of the season? Because if he's right there at, at six and six, like, do we really want to do this again? But at the same time, if you're at seven and five with a freshman quarterback or a redshirt sophomore quarterback, like – there could be some excitement and you really do start to feel like maybe we are maybe past all of this, the portal and, and all, all of whatever's happened. And now we can start building. So it'll be interesting to see. Does it matter which seven? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can lose to Pitt. Well, I have a notion for you. What if Neil ends his time at WVU as having a winning record versus Virginia tech Penn State and Oklahoma, <laughs> and, and and never beat Texas Tech, and never beat Texas Tech. That yeah. would be the most Neil thing I can think humanly possible is to like somehow find a way to like out coach James Franklin, which really a toddler should be able to do. <laughs> um, God, I'm going to be so mad when when we lose that game, like. <laughs> 34 to 17. Uh, whatever, whatever there's a real chance that could have a cursed score too. <laughs> like there's a real chance that that could be like a 13 to nine score. That, that score doesn't exist and is impossible to, to occur. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anybody have anything else they want to add thoughts, opinions, predictions on the, uh, the 23 season from 
from very afar, from February. There are a lot of things that are going to happen that we don't even know yet before they kick off in uh, at Penn State this year. So anything? I just, I just want to say that you set the bar at seventy-five minutes, and we have blown right by that. So, um, <laughs> despite our best, despite our best intentions, uh, never doubt. Well, we had, we had a nice little round table, so lots of lots of viewpoints coming in tonight. I mean, and it was in good shape until we mentioned the two lot the the three wins. <laughs> the three wins We're actually going to go eight and four with with just we'll win two and lose one. We'll do that four times and get to eight and four. I'm completely cool with that. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so I would kill for nine wins. I would be – I think we would all feel so much better about this program if we could just not <laughs> – I'd feel better about the world if we could win nine games. <laughs> not, not so much on the 23 season, but I will say having Cincinnati in and having a close road game is exciting for 24. Yeah. You know, finally getting a game where we can drive to middle of the season and go see somebody and not have to fly everywhere. So I, I'm excited to have Cincinnati back in conference and just get something that's a little bit closer, um, you know, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Agreed. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cool. cool. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you can find us on Smoking Musket and all over Twitter. Follow at Smoking Musket on the uh, the Twitter account, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. All right. Take care, guys. Yep. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.